There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode 19 of the Shine On Podcast. I'm Evan Shine. Producer Dave is with us on the other side of the mic. Dave, I'm fired up for today's show. We have a great docket and an absolutely terrific guest. On today's episode, we are going to dive into the topic of parenting and divorce, the challenges, the difficulties, the fears, how to do it right from the beginning. And there is absolutely nothing easy about it. And on today's episode, I'm joined by author of the book, Parenting with Sanity and Joy, 101 Simple Strategies, written by Susan Groner, who is the founder of The Parenting Mentor. And Dave, before I preview all the great and important stuff Susan and I will be discussing, I want to mention and give a shout out to the terrific, loyal Shine On Podcast listeners. And we continue to get comments and emails from so many of you who are listening to the show. And Dave, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you have the inbox up and ready to go. That's right. We hear from MFox78, who says, Shine has the wow factor. Evans Shine On offers incredible value for those like myself, he or she writes, who don't know much about the divorce industry. I look forward to hearing more real-life stories inside his world. And by the way, he has a great podcast voice. Ah, you got a real fan there. Thank you, M. Fox. <laughs> Thank you, M. Fox. When you, I remember when you started this, Evan, some people said they noticed your, your voice on the podcast was a little, sounded a little deeper than in real life. And I was telling people, that's your podcast voice, right? That's right. Look, M. Fox loves it. Can't That's get enough. right. Exactly. So we got more to come, M. Fox. This one from Adina. She writes, top info from top lawyer. Evan has the knowledge, skill, and passion of a great lawyer and host. You can hear the years of experience in his words. Evan and his guests offer insightful evidence and information that is helpful to anyone that listens. You will be hooked after one episode. Well worth your time. Thank you, Evan. She only gave you one star, though. No, I'm just kidding. She gave you five stars. Um, <laughs> so, And thanks so much for all the listeners, those that interest continues to pour in, and, and we love it. So if you do have a chance, it's always appreciated if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And we like five stars, but we'll, we'll take whatever stars you, you care to dole out. Dave, I absolutely love it. And, and look, we have a great show today. On today's episode, number 19, we're going to talk with Susan Groner about how parents can raise confident and resilient children and the challenges that so many parents face when it comes to co-parenting. We are going to talk to Susan about the importance of presenting a unified front and helping to make transition for children in the beginning of a separation as easy as possible. Coming up on the other side of the docket is my interview with our featured guest this week on episode number 19 of the Shine Up podcast, Susan Groner. This is an interview that you will not want to miss. All right, counselor, the docket is fired up and ready to go. Are you ready, my friend? Dave, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. And now let's see what's on the docket. Well, news today from CNBC.com. President Biden's plans may drop a tax bomb on divorcing couples. 
The article provides President Joe Biden is calling. I'm still getting used to saying that, by the way. President Joe Biden is calling for higher taxes on the wealthy to pay for the $1.8 trillion American Families Plan. The proposal includes includes a tax hike on top earners up to 39.6% on regular income and capital gains. And financial experts say Biden's plans may drop a tax bomb on some divorcing spouses. Does this argument hold water? Counselor, what do you think? Dave, look, we talked divorce and politics on episode one, where we broke down how to navigate politically mixed marriages. Now let's talk politics and money and the impact that both of these may have on divorcing couples going forward. The article in CNBC quotes financial planner Stacey Francis of Francis Financial in New York and Aviva Pinto, managing director at Wellspire Advisor. There are incredibly important considerations that need to be taken into account when thinking about divorce and planning and negotiating. Tax consequences are an absolute must. Both Stacey and Aviva make really good points in the article. And look, there's important considerations in other fields that clients and divorce attorneys must absolutely be aware of as they will impact their financial settlement or deals and the terms they negotiate on on their client's behalf. Not every dollar is the same. Not every asset is the same. Attorneys and clients absolutely need to pay attention to what's happening in this article, in politics, and any new legislation and statutes that are going to pass now or by the end of the year. There may be tax law changes with the new administration, something to follow and something to be aware of. Estate planning and changes in the laws, taxes. Dave, if you think back to a few years ago, there was a huge rush to get a deal done before the end of the year because there were tax implications as it related to spousal support and whether it was going to be tax deductible or not going forward. And so it's definitely something that attorneys and clients absolutely need to pay attention to this time of year and going forward. Good to know for sure. We now on the docket turn to the world of celebrities. And here's a little piece, and I'm going to play you a clip, Evan. This comes from NikkiSwift.com, which I learned today is not an actual person. It's a website, NikkiSwift.com. And it's about Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, many don't know was briefly married to Neil Simon's daughter, and we'll pick up the clip kind of midway talking about what happened there. It looks like every party has kept pretty hush-hush about the rather irregular union. As revealed by TCM, Harrelson and Nancy, whimsically married in Tijuana in 1985, intending to divorce the following day. But when the couple returned to the storefront marriage divorce parlor, they found it closed because it was Sunday. Awkwardly enough, they remained legally married for 10 months. While Nancy Simon's name may not ring many bells, her Pulitzer and Tony-winning father's plays might. The mastermind behind comedy classics like Barefoot in the Park and The Odd Couple, Neil Simon was often called, quote, the world's most popular playwright after Shakespeare, according to the Washington Post. Needless to say, you can imagine the legendary writer's horror when he found out his daughter married an up-and-coming actor as a light-hearted gag. Woody Harrelson explained to USA Today, I think at the time, Neil was a little bit worried I might try to go after her money. In the years that followed, he also made it abundantly clear he didn't believe in being tied down. He told Barbara Walters in 1997, 
I don't believe really in the institution of marriage. You can't really say you're gonna have and hold someone till death do you part because you don't know. Sure enough, Neil didn't need to worry. According to TCM, the couple quote filed for a summary dissolution at the time Harrelson's career suddenly took off. We have a feeling Nancy probably dodged a bullet too since the actor's newfound fame was filled with chaos and indulgence. He told the- And we know about that. <laughs> so, odd story. No, I never knew he was, certainly never knew he was married to Neil Simon's daughter, but these things happen, I guess. And I don't know what issues you want to pick out of that, but it's sort of interesting. They got married in Mexico. And I, my first thought was, well, does that mean they're still married back in the States? It was clearly uh kind of gag kind of thing. Is it, you know, an official marriage or what? What do you think? Dave, I mean, look, there's, you know, anytime we have a chance to talk about Woody Harrelson on the Shine Up podcast, <laughs> it's uh, we're going to do it. But, but look, you know, is the marriage enforceable? You know, it likely was, but look, they were married for a blink of an eye. And mm. at the end of the day, gag or not, you know, look, they got out of that marriage and relationship pretty quickly, which thank God, good for everybody involved because that was not going to work. You listen to Woody Harrelson's quotes and what he tells Barbara Walters. I'm going to break the news here. Woody Harrelson, you know, there's something for transparency. Marriage, you know, when he talks about the institution of marriage not really working out, you know, Woody, I think you should think about that before you say I do, whether you're joking or not. But, right. but look, he got out of it. And the, the other funny part, you know, from the clip is I think Neil Simon was concerned that Woody Harrelson was in it for his money. That yeah. was obviously before Woody Harrelson went on to make several uh, incredible movies. And I think he did OK for he himself did, yeah. last time I, last time I yeah. checked. But it, it, it's, you know, what, what I would say is. You definitely want to, if you're going to enter into marriage, you know, do so with obviously the right mindset. And I don't think from Woody hearing the quotes and hearing the clips that this was his intention all that much. Right, right. What's your favorite Woody Harrelson performance? That's a great question. You know, and and playing in the background of of that clip was White Men Can't Jump. And Mm. so, (laughs) you know, that's one. And uh, when that movie came out, I mean, the very title is farcical. You kind of thought it was going to be a joke of a movie, which it was a comedy, obviously. But it's on many lists as one of the best sports movies of all time. It's just a fun movie, you know. And yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to put it in the same sentence as Bull Durham or The right. Natural or, right. <laughs> you know, so many others. But look, it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah. And apparently Woody could actually play and Wesley couldn't, which I found interesting. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, next on the docket, Heidi Klum's ex-husband seal shocks fans with post-divorce comments. This according to Hello Magazine. The article reads, Heidi Klum and her husband, Seal, have been co-parenting their four children for nearly a decade following their split in 2012, but the passing of time hasn't made the experience any less challenging. The British singer shares three children. No, let's make that four children. One, two, three, four <laughs> with Heidi. Yeah, 17-year-old, 15-year-old, 14, and 11. That makes four. They were married in uh, 2005, but called time on their marriage after seven years and Seal, whose real name, by the way, I didn't know this, his name, his name is Henry Samuel, was asked about their co-parenting arrangements. He said, it can be challenging. It requires teamwork. You have to be a team. And asked if he and Heidi are a team. He said, no, I've never had that teamwork with her. We never had teamwork. So kind of, and then there are all kinds of like hearings being held about the custody of the children. It's kind of sad. What do you think? Yeah, David is sad. You know, look, it's a perfect docket for today's episode with Susan Groner, who's our featured guest. And look, Parenting takes teamwork. Yes, maybe he didn't have it. And he had absolutely no problem in saying that. 
But the part I want to focus on is the statement from the child, because the article goes on to talk about how she submitted a statement to the court, and there were reasons that she did so. There were travel restrictions in terms of traveling with her mother to a location where Heidi was going to be filming. But in New York, attorneys for children are appointed to represent them. On occasion, judges may conduct an in-camera and a Lincoln hearing, and judges may want to meet with the child directly. But I'll tell you, this does not happen all that often, and judges, for obvious reasons, like to avoid it when possible. So to me, what's interesting here is not the breaking news that Seal and Heidi didn't have the teamwork, but the fact that the child was able to submit a statement to the court with her position, because in New York, the child's position would come through for the attorney that represents the child. Mm. That must be among the most delicate of matters, right? I presume that, and you tell me, I mean, I presume that in most cases you want to try to avoid having to bring the, the children into the process in any major way, right? Yeah, you're looking to avoid that, you know, at all costs. Judges don't want children to be in a courtroom. That's why attorneys are appointed or retained to represent them. And in my experience, the cases where the judges most often will want to meet with the children, if it's a really high conflict divorce or custody dispute involving claims of parental alienation, where the child is being alienated by one parent, that's when, in my experience, judges will want to meet with the child to get a sense as to really what's going on here. But Dave, you're absolutely right. You know, judges, attorneys, everybody involved, parents should look to avoid having their children be part of the process. Our featured guest this week on the Shine On podcast is author, parenting expert, and the founder of the parenting mentor, Susan Groner. Susan founded the Parenting Mentor to provide an ally for parents in their quest to raise confident and resilient children. She's the author of Parenting with Sanity and Joy, 101 Simple Strategies, and she is a certified positive discipline parent educator. Susan is the creator of the Clear Method of Parenting, which we're going to talk about on today's episode. Susan has been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, The Wall Street Journal, Working Mother, Today, Thrive Global, The Huffington Post, and many more media outlets. She has a podcast of her own, which is absolutely fantastic, and we're going to talk to her about it. Susan, thank you for joining us. I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I've been looking forward to this, Evan. Susan, there's so much I want to discuss with you and and get into on today's episode about parenting, about divorce, and really communication and talking to children. But before we do, tell us about the parenting mentor and your approach to working with parents to help them navigate what is often said is the absolutely hardest job out there, parenting. Yeah, it is. It, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> That's what I say. I guess my whole idea about the parent, you know, I created the parenting mentor to help parents be happier and more relaxed, you know, just to figure out how to reduce the everyday stress and anxiety that you know inevitably comes from being a parent. Like no one is exempt from that. 
And so how does someone do that? Because parenting, it's, it's a full-time job. You know, parents are on 24-7. What's the key or the advice or the tips to helping parents just take a step back and whether it's enjoy it, and we'll talk about your book, but find that sanity and joy in parenting? Well, I think the first step is to really look at your goal as a parent. And so most parents, not consciously necessarily, but I think kind of look at parenting as this 18-year engineering project. And I know you just smiled, everyone. Um, <laughs> smiled. Well, I, I smiled because the thought of an, the thought of an 18-year engineering project, I mean, I don't know if it's smile or cry, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, there has to be, and I'm guessing there is, a different perspective and another way to look at it. Yeah, because first of all, you really can't engineer a human being, you know, and, and you know, I think one of the hardest things for parents is that they have a hard time when they're, they can't control their children, when their kids don't do everything they tell them to do, and they are not living up to the expectations of their parents. And that makes parenting not joyful and very stressful. And so instead, I think our goals should really be as parents is to raise children who are resilient and self-reliant with good problem-solving skills and good coping mechanisms. And if we do that and buy into that, then all of a sudden, all the stuff that we want to, you know, make happen a certain way and we want to fix and, you know, like we want our kids to be happy all the time. And so we're jumping in, we want things to run smoothly and we want them to get the right grades. And so we go and talk to the teachers and, you know, all that kind of stuff that's so stressful for us anyway goes away and all those things then become opportunities for our kids to develop the things I just talked about. And Sue, you know, we, we, you talked about parenting and how hard it is and, you know, that, that, you know, raising resilient children. So now I want to add in and talk about separation and divorce and everything that's associated with those feelings for so many people and kids transition, the feeling of loss and parenting can be even harder. And I see this with my own clients as a divorce attorney, mm-hmm. but parents can, parenting can be even harder when parents make the decision to separate. Really, it's about communication at the beginning. And I want to ask you about how important is it to communicate when parents are co-parenting, but even at the beginning, when parents make the decision to tell their children that their parents are going to separate and split up. Oh my gosh. It's so important. I mean, I think that first of all, the kids have to know that this has nothing to do with them. Like that's number one rule, you know, to me, the second rule, and I'm not big on rules either, but I <laughs> felt so strongly about this. The second rule is that you never badmouth the, the, your partner, your co-parent, you know, mom doesn't badmouth dad, dad doesn't badmouth mom. And I believe that if the kids come and say, mom, dad's being like this why is dad this way why is dad so mean why you know dad doesn't let us do this and he's not that and you know whatever those complaints are it it, we we still need to be supportive in in a way that we can and saying you know what people react to negative situations differently you know some better than others and you know, this is a really hard situation for dad and it's going to take him a little time to work through this. And 
you know, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you like crazy and that he's not doing his best, but you know, it's going to be a little hard right now. Susan, I see parents struggle with this all the time. And again, in a high conflict divorce, you know, one parent may want to look to get the child on his or her side and there's conflict and there's tension. And a lot of times judges will issue orders for how parents end up telling their children that they're separating given the high conflict and contentious nature of their divorce and separation. But what I want to do is I want to play you a clip from a recent episode of the television hit show on ABC, Million Little Things. I don't understand. I thought you loved each other. T, remember when we took you to see Susan and we talked about how you deserve to be happy? I realized that I hadn't done a good job of showing you how to do that. Well, your dad and I have tried to be happy together for a long time. But we realized that we might be happier not being married. Well, I want you to be happy. And even though some things are going to be different, your mom is always going to be your mom. And I am always going to be your dad. Nothing can change that. Who am I going to live with? Well, you're going to live part of the time with your mom, and you're going to live part-time. Give us a chance to talk about it. We'll let you know what we figure out. So, what are we going to do now? What do you want to do? Can we just cuddle? Mm-hmm. Of course we can. <clears throat> Susan, in this clip, the parents, Eddie and Catherine, they tell their son, Theo, that they're separating and they're splitting up. As you listen to this clip, what do the parents do right? And how hard is this moment in time for them and their child? Well, you know, aside from the tears, <laughs> I got from that, thanks a lot. I think the one of the things that they did right was they spoke to their son in a very age-appropriate way, you know, They kept it as simple as possible. They were honest and they didn't bring in any dirty laundry. You know, it was a very, I thought it was a very loving thing. I thought until, you know, the mom kind of cut the dad off about the living situation. But yeah, they, it seemed like they had kind of choreographed this in a very sweet way that their son would understand. And I think the other thing to, to me is they, they did it together. Yeah. They did it together and they presented a unified front. How important is it for parents in your experience to be on the same page and present things to children, especially at a moment like this, a moment of transition, a moment of loss, a moment when you tell your children that their parents and their family, they're not going to be living under one roof together. How important is it for parents to be on the same page? Oh my gosh. I I think that, you know, even if you are living under the same roof, that being on the same page is really helpful and it can be really hard. You know, I think a lot of, I think probably a lot of divorce happens because there's so much fighting about, you know, raising kids. It, it Believe me, I've seen it with a lot of people, 
you know, and, and so to work toward really understand, you know, sometimes the disciplining and, you know, food choices, and those are going to be different under different roofs. And I think each parent is going to have to accept some of that. You know, at the end of the day, I believe that that's okay, too. Um, I think that the, f- the most important thing is that that child feels loved. And Susan, that, that, that's such a powerful point, and it's a really great one. And I want to ask you about the CLEAR method, and that is two R's, and the principles, and I want to go through them. So tell, tell everyone, what is CLEAR, and how did you develop it? CLEAR method is an acronym, which I love. <laughs> and it stands for communication, love, empathy awareness, rules, and respect. And, you know, I I remember like coming up with it and saying, you know, how can I kind of be succinct about the things that really matter? I think the things that we as parents really need to think about when we encounter any kind of situation with our children. And I wrote down these words and I probably changed one or two up a little to make it make a word, (laughs) you know, um, but clear, I love clear because it is, it's just a clear method. It's very clear. So it, it works. These elements, you know, once you kind of get the hang of it, it's really easy. You know, it's, they're not in order necessarily, but I think like awareness is the one that you want to start out with first. And a lot of time when we look at our children and they're not doing something that we want them to be doing, or they're behaving in a certain way that we don't find acceptable or is frustrating to us. We just want them to stop. And yet we're not taking that step back and for a moment and saying, wow, why is my child acting this way? Why is my child reacting this way, behaving this way, not doing what is really going on? And oftentimes we also forget that they're really they haven't been around that long, you know, whether the kid is two or six or even 16. I mean, there's a lot more growth and learning that's going to happen with our kids and to understand where they are at that moment is really important. And so then if we go into the conversation, letting them know that we get how they feel, we get what's going on, then we can move on to the next step. And the, you know, the whole communication piece is you know, speaking with empathy, understand, oh yeah, I get this situation and I understand how that's making you feel, right? And you're communicating it in this loving tone of voice, not in one that's one of conflict or one of, you know, where you're arguing or making them or judge in a judgmental tone. And that's very respectful, um, and the re- the other part of the R that that respect that a lot of parents have a hard time with, and I did too, you know, we think, hey, I'm your parent, you listen to me, you do what I say, or you get in trouble, like, that's just, you respect me, as as opposed to like, you know what, you're your own person, you have a lot of good ideas, I think that you can figure this out, I think you know how to do that, I'm going to not be so on you. I'm not going to tell you everything that you need to do. I'm going to give you that respect. I'm going to listen to you and hear your ideas and hear how you're feeling, right? That's so important. And then the rules part is also crucial. Like you, I don't, I'm not a fan of a lot of rules, but I do believe that you need some, you know, kids need boundaries. 
you need them to, you need to set them. And they, you know, if your kids are old enough, you get them to help you set those rules. Then there's more skin in the game for them. They feel, again, they feel respected. Like, hey, we need to figure this out together because this isn't working. And Susan, I want to ask you about the clear method and those words, which I absolutely love and those principles. What can parents do to help their children process a separation and a divorce and apply those principles and those words in the clear method. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to that clip, the one thing that the parents didn't really do was say, you know what, this is going to be hard for all of us. Like just come right out there and say, you know what, this isn't an easy situation and it kind of sucks, but we're going to get through this together and we're going to have our ups and downs and you're going to feel sad and I'm going to feel sad and that's okay. And that's so, so right there, I think that is something that's really, really important. So like, yeah, I know I can, I don't feel good about this. Ultimately, I think it's the best thing, you know, but it is going to be hard And that. So that awareness piece of how your child is feeling and what they're thinking and to really give them that love and respect and validation for their feelings is so important. And Susan, you have worked and you've helped so many parents over the years. What have you seen parents struggle with the most when it comes to co-parenting with an ex or, or even in even in situations where the parents are not divorced? What, what do you see as the common things that parents or co-parents struggle with when it comes to parenting their children? It's It's not coming to in a place of agreement, but usually it's one parent. And, you know, I will say it's usually the mom who is sort of leading the charge on the, you know, what the children should be eating and what time they should be going to bed. And, you know, just sort of more of like the main maintenance stuff and the having expectations and then telling their partner how this is how it's got to be, you know, and people don't like to be told what to do and how to do it necessarily. And so there comes some conflict. And I think the most, one of the most important things that parents can do, whether they're, you know, together or co-parenting is to understand where they came from, you know, like, listen, I mean, I had a very different upbringing than my husband. And yet I thought like that, you know, whether there were things that were good and things that were bad. So I didn't want to do the things that were, I didn't like, and I wanted to do things a certain way that I did like. And I kind of felt like that's the way it had to be. That was the right way. And yet he had ideas on what the right way was because of what, how he grew up and how it was imprinted on him and how he was conditioned. And so it's really important to kind of come to the table together and say, hey, you know, we need to talk about X problem or how we feel about, you know, how we're going to discipline our children or how we're going to deal with setting rules about X, Y, or Z. You know, I feel I kind of grew up this way thinking that it's this way. How, what about you? And I don't, but I don't know if it's right or not. You know, and so you have more of like this conversation as opposed to this adversarial kind of thing. And then, and in both 
partners then have to agree to enforce as well. You know, one does and the other doesn't, then it's really stressful for the one that is enforcing. And then that person gets angry and then that's stressful for the one, the other partner. And, you know, it just can, you can get down this ugly rabbit hole instead of really saying, you know, hey, why don't we give this a try? Let's try it for a few weeks and then let's revisit it. And Susan, that's the perfect segue into your book, Parenting with Sanity and Joy. 101 Simple Strategies. First, I have to tell you, I absolutely love the title. Tell us why you wrote the book and what's behind it. Well, when I was raising my children when they were young, I would go to the bookstore or go online and, you know, there was this plethora of books to choose from. So I, A, that was step one that was stressful, figuring out (laughs) what book I wanted. Then I would start reading a certain book and I would feel like I was a terrible parent. I already missed the boat on things I should have done when they were a year younger or, you know, and I did not make me feel good. And I would, you know, try to change things up and, you know, it just never really worked well for me. Um, And so I also could never get through these books. They were long and arduous. And, (laughs) and so I wanted to write a book, like a little handbook that, was completely non-judgmental, super easy to read, you know, even with a little whimsy and and fun to it and things that parents would feel good about reading, you know, but that are really, really helpful tips. And they're pretty easy to put into practice. But I say at the very beginning of the book, you know, if something doesn't resonate with you, don't do it, move on, try something else. And so, you know, that's how kind of how this book came about. And there, you know, sections on, you know, they have the parenting golden rules and I have, you know, life skills, which I feel are really important. There's a chapter on attitude and gratitude and just kind of covering all the bases, I feel that can be really helpful. And, and, you know, I think that this, you know, kind of not taking everything so super seriously. Parenting is so important. But again, we have to always think about what's the results that we want. You know, like, and and a lot of the things in the book were my own, came from, from my own personal experiences as a mom, things I didn't, I, you know, and I was hardly a perfect mother until I, you know, figured this out. I always joke, like, I wish I had me when I was raising my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to ask you about that. And, and because to me, your book with the advice and the tools and the tips and techniques, and look, it's going to have a special place on my bookshelf in my office for, you know, my clients. But I would think that it can be a relationship strengthening book, which can save many relationships and marriages. Because if people can have that conversation, discussion, talk about maybe their different parenting styles or have a discussion about how to do something as opposed to to not have that discussion and then things just boil over. I would think that your book and the tips and techniques would be absolutely terrific for people to read and go through. And it can really allow people to have that conversation in a much more productive way. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea that, you know, maybe they 
take turns reading a tip and saying, okay, I'm picking tip number, you know, 82 and, you know, you read it and I'll read it and let's talk about it, you know, tonight over a glass of wine or whatever, you know, and, and see how you feel about it. You know, well, I agree with that. Or, you know, do you want to try it? Or, you know, that was interesting because I had never thought of it that way. Or then you have these healthy conversations and those are the same kind of conversations that you want to have with your children about things too. No, it's, it's true. There was an article I read in U.S. News World Report this year and from January of 2021. And the title of the article was How Divorce Harms Kids and How to Lessen That Harm. And one of the findings talked about in the article was that although good parenting is very good and protective, it may not be enough to cancel out the negative effects of conflict. And the article goes on to say there's something parents can do about it which is to not argue and fight in front of their kids. And you mentioned that. Why do parents, in your experience, struggle with this, despite how obvious it may be? Uh, I just think, you know, people react in the moment. It's hard not to. I think that takes a lot of practice. And so, you know, when something happens, when we're triggered by something negative, it's hard to step back and go, okay, wait a minute, I'm being triggered here. Let me take a deep breath and I'm going to file this and have a conversation about this later, which is obviously the best thing to do, but it's sometimes it can be really, really hard. And, you know, it's, again, it's also hard to like disengage. It's hard to stay calm all the time when the other person's, you know, heating up and, and, it's again, it, it all comes down to learning to communicate in a healthier manner because fighting leads to nothing except two people feeling really crappy. Susan, where can people pick up a copy of your book? Um, they can pretty much anywhere books are sold, um, any of the online places and um, in Target. Your new podcast, which you just launched, which is absolutely terrific on parenting. Tell us about it and what what your message is that, you know, you're trying to get out, you know, through the podcast, which to me is a must listen in on anything and everything parenting related. Yeah. So the podcast is called the Parenting Mentor Sessions. And what it allows people to do is listen in to a real like mini session that I'm having with a parent who comes on with a particular challenge that they're having and, I hear about that and then we kind of work through it. I provide a different perspective and some strategies in how to deal with that particular situation that they're having. And Susan, are you hearing from parents over the past 15 months? I mean, when it comes to mental health and the challenges and just everything that, that parents and children are going through as we now hopefully get on the other side of the pandemic, but what has been in your experience, whether it's through the podcast or your work with parents, some of the biggest challenges that parents are having over the past past year? I would say the biggest challenge was the 24-7 togetherness. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think that's hard for anybody. And, you know, when you have young kids and now all of a sudden you have to be around them when they're in school. You have to be around them like constantly. And so it's so hard as a parent, especially when we think about that engineering thing at the beginning and, you know, having to feeling like you have to control every single thing that's going on all day long is very difficult. 
and trying to get your own things done, you know, whether, you know, it's things around the house or you have your own job or you have your own business. It's very, that I think the togetherness part is the hardest. And, you know, I've recommended to many a family that they all talk about the benefits of alone time and not only like that it's good, but that it's allowed, you know, and when you're feeling a little frustrated and you're feeling like you just need to go that you just say, I need a little alone time right now, whether it's the kid or the parent and that's respected. And Susan, you mentioned the togetherness and I'm seeing it and my phone's ringing off off the hook, you know, for the other reason, which is the stress that that togetherness has created. But from the divorce side, if people don't take breaks or have that alone time, it, it's, you know, I'm hearing the same things you're likely hearing mm-hmm. from a different perspective, but yeah. from, you know, the stressful situations from parents working from home, kids, virtual, you know, virtual learning and parents and families don't have that break. And if you don't take that break, that's when things, you know, at least from my perspective, based on what I'm seeing as a divorce attorney with my clients, if people don't take those breaks and, and work with different, different professionals, you and others, that's when things start to fall apart. If they go unaddressed and that's not healthy or productive for anyone. Yeah. A hundred, you're a hundred percent. Right. And that's why, you know, the 24 seven thing's been such a struggle you know, and a lot of a lot of parents, I think more moms and dads, like feel like it's they need to be ever present when they in fact they don't. You know, well now I'm here, so now I have to be on constantly. I have to be doing things. And I and I also need to show my kids that I'm okay and I'm strong and nothing's bothering me. And you know, I'm totally not do not buy into that I think it's so important that we let our kids see us struggle we let our kids see us frustrated disappointed sad for us you know whatever that emotion is that's not a positive one and we need to talk about it and we need to let them know we need to help them develop that emotional vocabulary and then we need to validate it for them when they feel that way instead of trying to fix it and you know we are the ones setting the examples you know when I would tell my kids that I was really frustrated and why it made sense to them and then they would see me not be frustrated like I got through it and so that's where the resilience piece you know the more you have the opportunities to have those feelings the more you have the opportunity to get through them. Susan, this was absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on the Shine On podcast. You are the go-to person when it comes to parenting advice, tips, techniques, and support for so many parents out there. It was a lot of fun. Tell us where people can find out more information about you, the parenting mentor, how people can work with you and get in touch. Yeah, I would say probably the best way is on my website. It's theparentingmentor.com. Right now I'm offering this great free um, five tips for parenting with sanity and joy. You can download that on Instagram with a little tip almost every day. And that's at the parenting mentor. And yeah, you can contact me through my website. Well, Susan, thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure too. Thanks, Evan. Dave, what a show on the Shine On podcast episode number 19. It's in the books. Susan Groner, the parenting mentor, author, She was absolutely terrific. Thank you to the listeners on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. Producer, David Yaz, thank you as always. A lot of fun as usual and great stuff, Evan.
To all the listeners, they can follow me on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse. Send your emails and comments into the Shine Up podcast email address, evan at shineandivorce.com. Head over to shineandivorce.com to listen to all episodes and read my latest blogs featuring our great podcast guests. I'm Evan Shine, and we'll talk to you again real soon.